I'm Kim. And I'm Amy. Welcome to Farm Vet Journal Club. So Kim, this week um, I picked a paper from one of our favourite topics. Um, but yeah, it was a heavy paper and it wasn't the most easy to read. And it's just not very logically written out. But essentially, the paper is development of fertility programmes to achieve high 21-day pregnancy rates in high-producing dairy cows, um, done by the University of Wisconsin, USA. So do you use a lot of fertility programmes? Do you use a lot of, like, timed AI? Yeah, we do. Um, We kind of tailor it on a farm-by-farm basis based on, like, compliance and what their fertility is doing at the time and what their aims are and stuff like that so and like the yield and stuff of the herd as well so um yeah we do use this a lot but it was really interesting in this paper to understand the benefits of different aspects of how you can like tweak and tailor those programs yeah I I find time of year really affects how many sinks I do because you know when it becomes tractor season and farmers get what I call kybo's disease which is keeping the eyes open where they just don't when they're not watching so they just need more sinks and I've always wondered why some cows synchronize better than others and this paper once I got my head around all the concepts did kind of explain why some animals don't synchronize as well as others mm, yeah um, so just a brief overview of the of sync protocol because that's what we're going to be talking about a lot today is your day zero your GNRH we're going to refer to as G1 your day seven PGF to alpha, I'm just going to refer to it as your PGF. Your day nine, which is 56 hours after that PGF, is your second GNRH, which we'll call G2. And then day 10, so 16 hours after that, is when we're going to be serving our cows. And we're looking at conception rate off the back of the off the back of the OVSYNC and off the back of different tweaks that we can do to that OVSYNC. Is that right, Amy? Yes, there are so many ways you can tweak an off-sync. I think it would be really good to start with ways in which the off-sync can go wrong. So basically, obviously this isn't including like compliance issues, so farmers or staff injecting cows on the wrong days, but um, kind of on a cow level where the off-sync has its downfall. So as you said before, there's kind of a three-step process there, three injections the G1, PGF and G2. So um, it'd be really interesting if we could just go over each part and see what can go wrong in that point. And then we can go over like how we can address it as vets sort of thing. So what did you have, like, what did you find from the paper that can go wrong for the G1 injection? So the really important thing about G1 is having the right level of progesterone. So having a high P4 or a low P4 really affects our fertility. Oh, interesting. So both high and low. So it's like the extremes. Yeah, but you really want that nice middly P4. Okay. Is there anything else off of the G1 part of the protocol that can affect conception rate? Yeah, it's really beneficial if cows ovulate off the back of G1. This is most likely to happen if the cows are around day eight of their cycle with a dominant follicle. This is beneficial, but it doesn't actually cause a statistically significant increase in the conception rate. 
Oh, yeah, because they tried a few different methods of increasing a GnRH dose for G1, but it didn't give a statistically significant increase in conception rate. So essentially, P4 levels at G1 have more of an effect and more of an impact than an ovulatory response to G1. Is that that's right, isn't it? Yes, it is. So, Kim, we've got through our G1. Our next thing is our PGF at day seven. So what's really important or what did you get out from the paper that we need to be aware of at this point? What we want is a high P4 level for that prostaglandin injection, which makes sense because what we want is a high level of progesterone that the prostaglandin is then going to dramatically drop so that we get our nice low progesterone level ready for ovulation. Okay, so we know we want a high progesterone level at the time that we're giving our prostaglandin. What do we want around the time that we're doing G2, Amy? This is where we're really looking for a nice low progesterone level. We want to mimic the natural cycles of the cow, so that drop in progesterone will help cause our peaks in oestrogen, and that's when we get our nice oestrocytes, and that's what we really want in our offsinks. So yeah, so essentially we want a medium P4 at G1, a high P4 at the PGF, and a low P4 at G2. So now we know what we want. So how can we get that nice medium P4 for G1? So a brilliant way to get that, because obviously when we start off some of our ovsinks, we don't know at what point in the cycle cows are at. So a really good way to get that is to basically do a pre-sync on these animals. And this can result in an absolute increase of conception rate of 10 to 20%. So an absolute increase is, um, if your conception rate is is currently 30%, it can jump up to uh, 40%, for example, whereas a relative increase would be relative, you know, 10% increase from 30 to 33%. So it's like a huge increase of basically priming these animals to enter the off-sync at the right stage of their cycle. Because um, like we spoke about earlier, we want cows to reach the prostaglandin level kind of when that CO is like 13 days old. So by doing a pre-sync strategy, we can optimize progesterone levels at G1 and basically optimize the number of cows that come through with intermediate P4 levels. So which is what we were looking for in the first one with a dominant follicle that can also ovulate, which would be Um, we know would be advantageous and also reduces the number of cows that will have inappropriate regression of the CL. So if we're catching cows that are like quite far on in their cycle, by the time we get to the prostaglandin jab, that CL has already started regressing. And so there's not such a severe drop in progesterone. Um, So basically we're just optimizing the number of cows that will be at the five to eight day stage of their cycle when they're entering this off sync program. Exactly. Just like that. So some of the pre-sync strategies um, included one prostaglandin uh, injection before the off-sync, and this could be the 10 or 14 days pre-off-sync, two prostaglandin injections 14 days apart, followed by an off-sync with a gap of 10 days between that last prostaglandin and the first day of the off-sync, or a GGPG, which is a GnRH jab seven days before the beginning of the off-sync or a double off-sync, which this paper kind of definitely recommends. <laughs> One of the major weaknesses with a timed AI protocol is failure of 
full CL regression, which leads to higher progesterone levels at G2 or um, basically incomplete regression of the CL from that prostaglandin injection. Were there ways that we can improve on that in our OVSYNC protocol? Yeah, so they looked at different aged CLs to see how they would affect it. And they found that if you had one 13-day-old CL, you got more luteal regression than if you had like a uh, one six-day-old uh, CL. Oh, yeah. So if so, if a cow enters the OVSYNC with a low progesterone, then that obviously means that she's like a, uh, she hasn't got a CL at that point. So then within between that day and the time that we give her the prostaglandin, she that CL is only going to be a max of six days old and it's not going to be very responsive to the prostaglandin that we're trying to give her. So that means that luteal regression is going to be a lot poorer than if she had an established CL that's maybe like 13 days old, which is what is an ideal situation. Is that right? Exactly. Cool. Are there any things that we can do around that time to improve that regression of the CL? There are a few things we can do. Um, so in one of the studies, they compared a double OVSYNC protocol against a, another double OVSYNC protocol plus a second PGF 24 hours after the first PGF. And although that extra PGF did increase the luteal regression, there was no difference in conception rate. However, another study looked at, um, well, it was OVSYNCs and double OVSYNCs, Group one got one PGF at the end and group two got two PGFs at the end. There was no difference for primiparous cows, but there was a substantial uh, increase in conception rate for multiparous cows. Yeah, that was really interesting. Yes, definitely. However, it is worth noting that increasing the PGF is only significant in cows starting an OBSYNC protocol in low progesterone environments. Towards the end of the paper, they speak about um, resync protocols for PD negative cows. What do you currently do for those animals on your farms, Amy? So I will see what the ovaries are doing and then either start an obsync if I think I've got the right structures present. But if I don't think they are, sometimes I'll put a cedar in or to kind of make sure that my progesterone is where I want it to be. What about you, Kim? Uh, yeah, I'm really similar. So the protocols I normally have in place they do vary on different farms, but they will sort of depend on the cows, number of days in milk, the farms like fertility, if they are particularly high yielding herd that we are quite like proactive with on their fertility, then it would probably be a cedar sink. But if it's a herd that's got a moderate yield and their fertility is really good and the cow is, I don't know, less than like 100 days of milk, then I would and she's got a good CL, then I would probably just go for an off-sync there. So yeah, what did they say on this? In the paper, they find that resync protocols for PD-negative cows often results in a poor conception rate. They found that adding a second prostaglandin does have an increased effect on the, on the conception rate. And this has more of an impact on cows that enter that resync with a low progesterone compared to those entering with a normal progesterone level for that first G1. That makes sense. So I wouldn't put a cow that I've scanned as PD negative without a CL present. I wouldn't start her on an off sync. She would go on a cedar sync. Exactly. Yes. Do you currently have any farms where you where they would do 
a dose of GnRH before your PD session so that on your PD session, if they're negative, you could then just start them straight onto a prostaglandin. Oh, no. Because that's what this paper is saying. So they, at Wisconsin University, they, or this like study in the paper, they would give all of their cows that are coming up for PD at around 32 days would receive GnRH seven days before. So that if they're PD negative on that day, they will already be seven days into their off-sync protocol. And if they've got a, a good CL there, then they get the prostaglandin. So they're not wasting so much time. But I've never seen this in the UK. No, I've never seen it. Yeah, I've never done it. I've never had any farmers inquire about it. I think the only time I'd maybe consider it is with some of my block carving herds if we were starting to lose a lot of time towards the end of the serving period. Mm, that's a good point my thought as well was maybe on I can think of like one herd in our practice that's like really high yielding but their conception rates just aren't that brilliant and maybe for that scenario it would be good for them to do this because obviously if you've got a herd where their fertility is really good then wasting money on those GnRH jabs for cows that are you know a lot of them are pregnant if that makes sense then it's fairly pointless but if you have like I don't think it's going to be something that we would do maybe all year round here but if you're going through a period of like poor fertility maybe it's something that you do for those herds where you kind of predict that you're going to get a lot of PD negative so maybe it would be good to already have them primed ready with a GnRH so that they can just go bam straight onto a another off-sync protocol and they do that at this Wisconsin University herd their preg rate so their conception and submission together is 34%. So their conception rate is 50% and submission rate is 69%. Um, so they're doing something right over there, but obviously there's a lot of intervention. They do a lot of other things, which we'll come on to as well, but there's a lot of intervention. It relies on a lot of compliance as well. There's a lot of jabs going <laughs> around there. And I think that's something I'd worry about with some of my herds. Yeah, I think it all depends on that cow. If she's losing a lot of time, I'd get it. Or on those herds, like I said, that are block carving and are reaching the end of their service block. But apart from that, I can't see me using that very much. Finally, the paper talks about timed insemination for first service. So for this university herd, they use a double off sync protocol that results in a submission rate of 100% and a conception rate for them, they found 49%. They compared this to a natural service or an estrus, but it's not totally natural. They compared it to animals that had been given prostaglandin to induce um, estrus and that compared to a, that basically related to a lower submission rate. So 77% for those animals that had had prostaglandin um, compared to 100% of animals that had had the double of, double of sync and then a lower conception rate for those prostaglandin animals of 38% versus a conception rate of 49% in the double of sync animals. So something that they do there results in a first insemination at 77 days in milk and they get really good results off of this there. It's a really high yielding herd, I think, 13,000 litres a year, it was saying. It's an impressive number and it's an impressive setup and system they've got going. But I would be, there's just so many jabs flying around there. Everybody has to be on the exact same page to know what they're jabbing and when. Yeah, definitely. 
this a lot. We've got a couple of hairs that are doing double of sinks. I just think you'd have to pick and choose them a little bit carefully because it's just a lot. It's just a lot to, yeah, be flying around, like you said. So we've waded through this paper with a lot of protocols and not the easiest read. Um, so what are your main take-home points, Kim? So I think my main take-home points are, like we were saying earlier on, we don't want cows to enter the programme that have got low progesterone. So I feel happy that I'm picking cows that have got CLs before I put them on an off sink. So that's like in regards to that G1 selection kind of thing. That's good. I think I'm going to think more about pre-sync protocols and which farms would be like amenable to it so that we can set cows up really well like and get better conception rates of that because there is that absolute increase of conception rate of like 10 to 20 percent which is kind of amazing so yeah that's definitely something that I'm going to take on board the second part would be relating to the prostaglandin dose so definitely going to think more about given animals that second dose of prostaglandin so 24 hours after the first and also that has been shown to give you even higher conception rates on a resync protocol so maybe that won't be on like every single off sync that you do but maybe on those pd negatives it could be something that you do for those animals yeah it could be for your slightly peskier cows or those favorite cows that are always really subfertile exactly the ones with names <laughs> The big take-home message I'm getting from this is that there are so many different protocols and some things you do can be statistically significant and other things won't be. But I think the most important thing is making sure that the farmers are on board with the protocol. I agree. I think that's really important because as a vet, we could pick a herd that we think, oh, this double of sick would be perfect for their um, first services. and then actually just kind of like bombard them with information nothing like they don't do the jabs right or you know it's just too much and then it just doesn't work out and ultimately like we're to blame for that so I think we need to select farms and clients that are going to be amenable to these things don't we yeah it's all about keeping things doable brilliant well I, I really enjoyed reading no that's a lie I really enjoyed the take-home messages from this paper and I thought there were some really good things that I'm definitely going to take on board I found the actual paper like really difficult to read I didn't think the layout was that brilliant but we move and we're we're through the other side of it Amy how do you feel feel slightly exhausted but also there's some really good information in here but it is just hard work Definitely. So we're going to put some more bits out on our Instagram this week. We're going to summarise some bits that's hopefully going to be nice and digestible. Nice, small little nuggets of knowledge. Nice nuggets of knowledge. That's what we'll call them. <laughs> oh, our one listener will be so pleased. <laughs> cool. cool. Right. Well, I will see you next week, Kim. Yeah. What have we got next week? Is it something a little bit more lighthearted than this fertility paper? We're going down a completely different angle. Oh, I'm excited. Okay, cool. I will so, see you next week. See you next week. Bye now. Bye, Amy.